When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Celebrating 100 years of service, I'm Christian Blood. 55 and right now, time once again for the Jack Riccardi Show. Good afternoon, Jack. Yeah. Look at you with your come on about the rain, teasing us with some <laughs> rain right. talk there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I was, I don't know if you had this story or not, because I was in the next room stirring my cauldron of right-wing hatred, but... I saw a story today about a, a woman. Did you see the story about the woman that was driving a golf cart on the highway in Florida? Uh, very little. Yeah. Refresh my memory. 58-year-old woman arrested over the weekend driving a golf cart on I-95 with an right. open bottle of Jack Daniels yeah, right. in the I seat next to her. That's the most Florida thing ever right there. But, you know, having driven a lot in Florida, I can tell you she probably was not the worst driver along that stretch of road. That's probably a probably safe was- bet. <laughs> She was like in the middle of the pack, probably, but thank God right. she's all right, and they uh, were able to get her off the road with her. But they go everywhere. In Florida, people go everywhere in golf carts. It's just a thing. She so. was trying to find the 18th hole, you know? There you go. Aren't, aren't we all? <laughs> right. uh, well, good afternoon. Welcome to our dreadful little show, 210-599-5555. So we were talking a lot over the last several days about Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan, and now that she's left Taiwan... China is just putting on a, a total horrific exhibition. They are filling the skies over Taiwan with missiles. They are circling, encircling uh, the island with a blockade. Uh, these are all thrown together uh, drills and gestures uh, designed to punish Taiwan. And I guess indirectly to punish the United States for a major uh, U.S. official going to Taiwan. And, you know, um, as best I can tell, the Biden administration seems to have nothing to say about this. It it is so uh, on again, off again, the relationship between the U.S. and Taiwan. It's like one of those dating relationships where you don't really know, are we a couple, are we not, you know? Called three times last week, and not at all this week. Um, and 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 I will tell you, I mean, we've you, you heard Gordon Chang on our show, and Lisa Duftari, and we've had all of our experts, and they'll tell you all of the geopolitical uh, reasons for why the United States has an interest with Taiwan. I'll just tell you, I every Taiwanese American I've ever met was just the coolest person, and they are they are real, they're real deal, pro American, pro democracy. People, if you judge other countries by the people you meet from those countries, we should be arm locked with Taiwan, in my opinion. So, big story today: Brittany Griner, the WNBA star, has been sentenced to nine years in prison on drug charges in a Russian court. She is um, remember she went over there to play for a Russian uh, in a Russian game or a Russian league, and they found. Um, drug uh stuff paraphernalia i think they were um vape cartridges that had cannabis oil in them 
uh, when they searched her bags, and so they convicted her, and now she's been sentenced, and we are, we are told that the United States is going to do a uh, prisoner swap for Brittany Griner. There's a guy that the Russians want uh, back. He's a notorious international arms dealer, and um, he is currently doing time here for terrorism charges. And so the theory, the working theory right now, is that even though she's been sentenced, she won't actually do the time. We're going to swap this guy that, if this was a movie, um, you know, <laughs> this guy would be... This guy would be played. Who would they play? Would they have play him? They'd have one of those, uh, you know, actors that always plays the villain in the Bond movies. You know, Rami Malek, I guess, would play this guy. But anyway, they're going to send this guy over. Now, Rami Malek is too good looking for this guy. Um, but they're going to send this guy, and they're going to get Brittany Griner. What do you think should happen here? Brittany Griner broke their laws, but also they clearly wanted to make a an international incident out of this and they're milking this for propaganda people can't help but notice however that Brittany Griner isn't just any American athlete she's one of those that was very outspoken and demonstrative about what a hellhole the United States is and what a terrible country it is and you know won't won't stand for the anthem and and what have you so there are people saying, you know, she should do the time. What do you think about that? Is that how you feel? Let her do the time. Or do you think they should do the prisoner swap? And if they do get her back, and I think they're going to, do you think she'll rethink that attitude? I mean, it's one thing to be in this country and have blinders on and 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 drink the Kool-Aid of the left. But there's nothing like actual world travel to see what the rest of the world is like, to see what isn't there, to see how it isn't, the grass isn't greener, and, and to appreciate that for all its flaws and imperfections, you do live in the freest country on earth, and you've had great privilege and, and, and been afforded great opportunities, Brittany Griner, living here, being an American. Do you think she'll come back and have like a different attitude about that? That would hold my breath, right? But, I mean, it, it, it could happen, right? I mean, there's room to grow, maybe. We'll see. Um, she is, uh, you know, throwing herself on the mercy of the, uh, of the Russians. Her lawyers are saying she had no criminal intent. It was a mistake, uh, et cetera, et cetera. She packed quickly. She was jet-lagged. She forgot that they were in her bags. Um the prisoner swap deal is probably in the works, I would get, I would guess. Uh, but tell me what you think about that. And that's our question today on the JR poll. Should she do the time or be swapped for another prisoner? This is very weird. The um, uh, DA in Uvalde has come out and said um, that she wants to know if any of the victims in the classroom at Robb Elementary were shot by police officers. In her statement to the judge, they're, they're, they're arguing about the video and the release of the video. Um, she said that um, one of the things they're looking at is whether or not any of the students or teachers were shot by police. And just when you think this story cannot get any worse, 
it gets worse. And I was thinking today, there's there's never anything good about a school shooting, and they're all incredibly tragic and, and grim. But this this is the worst one I've ever heard of. I mean, this one is the worst, not not just in the death toll, but this is just the the worst blow after blow, disappointment after disappointment. And you wonder where the bottom of this story is. How much worse does it get? So we don't know, but she says they're looking at that. Speaking of where does the bottom, where's the bottom? Where, where does, how, when does it end? How, does it get, does it get worse? Do we let it get worse? Can we talk about Corinne Jean-Pierre? And it's been a staple of talk radio ever since she became the White House press secretary to play these clips where she, you know, dishes out this word salad or she gives the wrong answer to a question or she flips to the wrong page in the binder. But can we just talk about the fact that she's in over her head? Why are they leaving her in that job? I mean, isn't this sad? And and I don't know her at all. I'm not coming at this from some personal connection. But how sad to leave somebody in a job who clearly can't do it. She's failing every day in front of everybody. The reporters in the White House are toying with her at this point, right? I mean, here's an exchange she had with Peter Ducey, and and, and granted, Peter Ducey is the most confrontational White House reporter because he's from Fox, but even the ones from the pro-Biden networks, i.e. all of the other networks, even they can see that KJP is not up to the job. But here she is... Um, getting a question from Peter Ducey about the Pelosi trip to Taiwan. Take a listen to this. Now that Taiwan is effectively encircled by the Chinese military doing these drills, does the president think that the trip was worth the trouble? Look, I I already said this, and I'll just repeat it to you. There's no reason for uh, Beijing uh, to uh, to turn this visit, uh, which is consistent with longstanding U.S. policy. Uh, There's a Chinese official who says the U.S. must pay the price for its own mistake, and we mean what we say. When the Chinese threaten the U.S., does the president take them seriously? Again, the United States will not seek and does not want a crisis. We are prepared to manage what Beijing chooses to do. How come Republicans seem more jazzed about Speaker Pelosi's trip than the president? You're going to have to ask Republicans. I have jazz. Do they have jazz hands, Peter? Do I have jazz (laughs) Do they have jazz hands? You said jazz, that they were feeling jazz. We can have our Hill team check. Um, (laughs) But Mitch McConnell said, I think it's important for the Speaker to go to Taiwan. Lindsey Graham said the idea of her going is a good thing. Chuck Grassley, I'm sure glad that she went. Is President Biden just worried about hurting Xi's feelings? So you're saying because they said that, then we're not jazzed? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We've been very clear. We've been very clear for, gosh, the past week or so um, that uh, the speaker has the right to go to Taiwan. We have said that. It's been clear that she has a right. right. Why is it so hard for the president just to say, she's a brave trailblazer, and I think it's great that she went? Like so many others. The the president thinks that that Speaker Pelosi is a is a great trailblazer. Look, I mean, and it was good that she went. Here's the thing: 
What we oh are saying God. is that we it's cannot... So, it's so it, painful. It's so painful. I Believe me, I could play clips like this every day, and we don't. I hold them back. She cannot do this. She cannot do this job. I, I know they were excited about all the firsts when they appointed her, but isn't it time to, to say, you know, whatever vacation time you've got, use it. Take your vacation time and go. And when your vacation time is used up, you're not coming back. I mean... How is it progress, okay, and I know this is the diversity administration, but how is it progress when you put people like Corinne Jean-Pierre or Kamala Harris in jobs that they cannot do, and they're a total embarrassment, and they're an embarrassment to the groups that you were, you were trying to appease or compliment by appointing them? Isn't it time to cut your losses and go, she, she can't do it? Isn't this obvious? And they're leaving her there, and they're putting her out there every day. It's like a carcass in the sun. The flies are coming in, and it's not smelling too good. I mean, I, I'm getting to where I feel for her. <laughs> I just, it's unbelievable. And I'm sure you've seen this in your work or your company. There's, there's that person that gets the promotion or gets hired, and they just can't do it. Do you just leave them there? You know, I mean. When when is enough enough with KJP? What we are saying is that we cannot dictate and we will not dictate where members of Congress go. Members of Congress, wait, let me well, let, let me but let me when, finish. When they go, he doesn't dictate it. They go. Now he can say if he thinks it was good or not. I mean, that's not how it works. So he he keeps asking her the question, and at one point he even gives her the answer. He says, "Well, couldn't Biden just say?" She's a, I don't know, brave woman or a brave trailblazer or something like that. He gives her the answer, and she could just repeat. All she has to do is repeat the answer. It's a good answer. You know, it would be a very good answer for her to give about Nancy Pelosi. And she's just, she's not able to do this job. We, we ought to be able, if we're making progress and we have diversity, we ought to be able to say, hey, it was, it was a nice thought. But you can't, you can't do this. This isn't getting better. It's getting worse. It's getting so Biden makes more sense now. Remember when we would watch uh, Big Red do the, do the job before her, it, it was to explain Biden, right? That was the whole point of Jen Psaki was to translate Biden into English. And whether you agree or disagree with this administration, Jen Psaki was pretty good at it. This is, this is hard to watch. I have no sympathy for this administration, but I'm, I'm starting to have sympathy for her. This reminds me of 210-599-5555. This put me in mind, um, and I hadn't thought about this guy in years and years, many, many years ago, uh, and I was on at night at the time, and each of the talk shows had its own individual producer at that time, and I hired the person. I, you know, when, when somebody left, I would interview people, and I fell in love with the idea of this guy that already worked at the radio station, but in a totally different department. And we had posted the producer job for End of the Night, and he said he would be interested. And he, it just, I don't know why, but I, I liked the idea of him coming and doing it. It was, it was totally different for him. He had never done it before. He was enthusiastic. He wanted the job. He uh, seemed you know, just eager and ardent, and I don't know, I just, I felt like, I want to give this guy a chance, you know, he's in a different department, 
and this would be a big step up for him. And uh, I remember going to our our program director, and the program director was like, why do you want to hire him? He's never done anything like this. He has no experience. I'm like, no, no, I really think we need to give him a chance. And it was a disaster. Greg, if he's listening, will know who I mean. I'm not going to use the guy's name. It was, oh, man, it was so bad. He would do things like claim that he had booked guests when he really hadn't, and then the moment would come when we're supposed to be on the air with, you know, Senator so-and-so, nobody there. And it was, you know, he wasn't a bad person. I don't think Corinne Jean-Pierre is a bad person. But sometimes you just get put in in, in a job that's not right for you. She can't do this. It's not working. And the right thing to do is to, you know, by the way, a lot of times it's the employer who made the mistake. I had made the mistake. This guy had no business being a, a talk show producer. You admit you've made a mistake. You amicably part ways. Maybe you find a, a, a position for the person if there's one available. Or, you know, they could move her to something else. You know who could do her job in a heartbeat is John Kirby. Remember John Kirby? He was the, the DOD spokesman, and then um, I think he was at the State Department, and now now he's in the White House. He's got some kind of White House job, and you see him a lot on CNN and Fox and so forth. He could do it, but he's a white male. He He's totally qualified, articulate, quick-witted. Again, I don't support this administration. I'm not interested in... Their messaging, other than the news value of it. But this is ridiculous. Why are they leaving her there? 210 599 5555. Have you ever had to do that? Have you ever had to, have you ever hired somebody and then realized you had misread the moment or the situation? Or you, in my case, I just had this, I I had this notion that I was going to give this guy his big break because people had done that for me. When I was starting out, I got hired for jobs I probably wasn't qualified for, but I worked hard and I tried. And I, you know, th- but sometimes you got to admit you've you've picked the wrong person, and they've picked the wrong person, and I don't care how many firsts she checked off for them. Remember when um, Virginia was having its governor's race, and this was last year. Remember they have the off-year elections, and remember that it was Terry McAuliffe for the Democrats, and it was. Um, the guy that ultimately won, Glenn Youngkin, for the Republicans. And, and Terry McAuliffe was going to win this race. I mean, he was ahead in the polls. Virginia's kind of a Democratic state now. And then there was that moment, I think it was in a debate or a forum, where Terry McAuliffe basically spouted off that parents had no business in you know getting involved with the curriculum choices or managing the education of their children. We don't need the parents in the public schools. And it, it was the turning point. The poll numbers went down for Terry. They went up for Glenn Youngkin. It stayed that way. Youngkin won the election. And everybody agrees that was the pivotal moment. I think Beto O'Rourke has just had his Terry McAuliffe moment. I want to play this for you. Um, He's in front of a group, and he's talking about teachers and curriculum. And tell me if this isn't offensive, hearing this from Beto O'Rourke. Cut number two. What if we treated that teacher with the respect that she has earned, that she is owed, that we all want to give her? We don't need to tell her 
what version of history she is allowed to teach in the classroom. We don't need to scare the parents of those kids before her about something called CRT that I've never heard of before last year. He's never heard of CRT until last year. You know what I find funny about, besides the fact that that is a McAuliffeism right there, we don't need no stinking parents. But the other thing that's funny about the Democrats is all of a sudden, CRT, what's that? Have you heard this? I don't know how much of the liberal networks you watch. They pretend now that we made that up. That we on the right created, uh, as a straw man, critical race theory. I don't know when I had time to do this, but apparently I, you know, we wrote it, we crafted it, we insinuated it into the textbooks in the departments of education at all the major universities. We're the ones that organized all the symposia. Apparently we uh, control the 1619 Project at the New York Times. So their, their take now is that they had nothing to do with it. They weren't even there. I mean, they used to be proud of it. America's not so great. Remember when Andrew Cuomo said that? America's not so great. It's never been great. Well, it's a midterm. The poll numbers don't look so good. So the new hot take on CRT is we don't even know what it is. We, it's only the Republicans that are talking about it. We don't know. What's that? CRT? Is that a, is that a commuter rail train? What, what is that? CRT? That I've never heard of before last year. <laughs> is that one of those cable channels in the 400s that nobody watches? WNBA's Brittany Griner sentenced to nine years in the Russian big house, should she do the time or should we swap prisoners for her? The hot rumor is we're going to send them a uh, notorious Russian arms dealer for Brittany Griner. Why do we have to send him? And I was thinking about this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like the, I like the prisoner swap idea, but I want it to be somebody else. Can't, who should we send to Russia for Brittany Griner? Like, why can't we send them Liz Cheney? You know, I mean, let's, I'm just saying, don't look at me that way. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Or maybe, uh, how about Joe Buck? Could we send them Joe Buck? You know, they, they don't need to know. They'll find out soon enough. Who would you send in place uh, or to trade for Brittany Griner, the WNBA star who had uh, cannabis vape canisters in her bag? 210-599-5555. And then we've been talking about um, the absolutely just train wreck dumpster fire that is the White House press briefing every day. Look, it, I'm not saying this because I disagree with the Biden administration. I disagreed with the Obama administration, but he had totally adequate people speaking for him and articulating his his positions on stuff. And, you know, it, the, the White House press secretary job is a very high-profile, high sort of high-octane position because presidents don't really break down and explain everything every day. And if we're going to keep, you know, uh, electing septuagenarian presidents, we're going to need people to kind of translate, and she just can't do it. I had somebody write to me and say, well, you shouldn't feel sorry for her uh, she should know that she can't do the job and resign. But that's not the case. You know how it is in your company, right? When somebody is in a position they can't 
fill, and they're not able to. A lot of times they don't know it. You know, they they think they're going to turn the corner, but everyone around them can see, and you can see with KJP, she's not. This is not going to get better. And I guess you can't. I guess you can't fire somebody who's the first lesbian White House press secretary. I don't know why. If we've made so much progress, why wouldn't that be okay? I mean, if we've really made progress, we should not only be able to hire that person, but we should be able to acknowledge they didn't cut the mustard and let them go or promote them to something else. You know, she's going to take another position that won't involve talking to Peter Ducey. But she's getting a hard time even with people that aren't Peter Ducey. It's not just him. 210-599-5555. And um, did Beto O'Rourke just have his Terry McAuliffe moment uh, basically saying uh, we don't need parents to tell the schools what to teach our kids? Funny, I remember when the schools used to tell us parents, we, we need you, we want you. You're part of our team. Come tell us and be involved and get involved and come to our meetings. It's only when we started showing up that they were like, we don't need the parents. Funny how that worked, isn't it? About something called CRT that I've never heard of before last year. I've never heard of it. What in the world is that? 210-599-5555 on KTSA. All right, we asked the question, who should we trade to Russia for Brittany Griner. Frank is on the radio. Hi, Frank. Hey, how you doing? So I've got a two-for-one, actually. Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, wow. You want to you wanna do uh, like a, a player and a player to be named later? Yes, that's right. There you go. All right. Joy Behar <laughs> and Whoopi Goldberg. So Frank would essentially gut the view. Leave That's the view right. with almost no one. All right. Uh, who would you trade for Brittany Griner to Russia? Russia has sentenced her to nine years. The story is that our State Department is planning on sending over a uh, notorious Russian arms dealer who's armed terrorist. Sounds like a thoroughly bad dude. I feel like we're overpaying for Brittany Griner. I don't think we should have to send her, send them all that. You know, I, I, Why can't we just get rid of somebody who's annoying? You know, We have plenty of those. Who would you send? Who would you trade? 210-599-5555. Maybe Beto. <laughs> While we're on that subject. Um, I think I've mentioned this guy before. Um, John Fetterman is the Democratic nominee for the United States Senate in Pennsylvania. He's that tall, kind of skateboard-looking dude that he's got the you know shaved head and the Van Dyke and always wears a hoodie. So naturally, of course, you know, he's running for the Senate. But anyway, he's um, he's a very, he's a Bernie bro. He's a super progressive, far-left Democrat. But he's done a, a great job of hiding all that. And he's surged into a big lead in the polls for the Senate seat in Pennsylvania. And I'm telling you right now, if the Republicans can't hold that seat, they're not winning the Senate. You're going to have Chuck Schumer as the majority leader in the Senate. And if they blow this so that they win the House but they don't win the Senate... You should be furious with the Republicans. And I think they may be about to blow it. So Fetterman is in the lead in Pennsylvania. And um, it came out in the um, Philadelphia Inquirer that this guy is 52 years old, by the way. He was the mayor of a town 
for many years in in uh, Pennsylvania, and then he became the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. Now he's the Senate candidate. It came out in the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer that his parents have been giving him a five-figure allowance for many years. Comes from a wealthy family, and his parents were giving him an, an allowance up until the present day. In fact, in one recent year, 2015, they gave him $54,000. Do you would you hold that against an adult? Should an adult be getting an allowance from his parents? A, 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 a able-bodied, you know, grown-ass man. And the way they spun it, the campaign said, well, this was because the mayor's job in such-and-such Pennsylvania, whatever town it is, only paid a couple of thousand dollars a year. So he he couldn't live on that. Okay, so why not have like a like an actual job? You know, just saying. Parents were giving him an allowance. At least he didn't live with them. <laughs> or, or maybe he did, I don't know. 210-599-5555. I don't know, is that a thing? Uh, probably a lot of Bernie bros, I'm thinking, probably are getting an allowance from their parents. It just seems like one would, would kind of go with the other, in my mind, anyway. Uh, Mark is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Mark, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, let's send Raggedy Amnesty herself, Jen Saki, <laughs> back to Russia. <laughs> send her to Russia. She likes wearing those. I never heard that one. Party, Raggedy uh, Amnesty. Jenkins. Oh, yeah, okay. you like wearing those Russian Communist Party Yushchenkos, you know, with the hammer yeah. and logos. Yeah, Send her over there. All, but but you know what? Leave leave uh, leave the basketball gal over there. I don't, I don't want her here. Leave her over there. Let her let her do her nine. Well, years. We got to get something then, for Jen Psaki. What do you? What do you? Why are we giving her? Why are we giving them Jen Psaki for free? What kind of a? You would be a terrible general manager, Mark. <laughs> okay, well you got to make a better deal than that. At least can we at least get draft here. choices? I don't want either of them. Here. I want a first round draft pick in twenty twenty five if I'm getting if I'm not getting a player now. All right, Mark says send Jen Saki. Who would you uh, trade to Russia for Brittany Griner? Uh we're asking you on the JR poll today. Should she do the time or should they be a prisoner swap? And Michael is on five fifty and one oh seven one KTSA. Hi Michael. Oh, hello. I would send Michael Moore. Oh man, you're and, you guys are being rough on the Russians. You would really well, inflict Michael Moore on them? Haven't we? Hasn't well, the world did, suffered enough? He, well, he did that documentary where he was on a boat screaming at Cuba about their health care, so yeah. I figured he'd be yeah. right home. Yeah. Well, he would uh, definitely feel right at home. I mean, he, he, basically, yeah. we're, we're only two elections away from being Russia if Michael Moore gets his way. So, yeah, I think you're, I think you're onto something there. He would, he would fit right in. And uh, and he'd be just one more loudmouth fat guy for them to have to listen to. Um, all right, so Michael Moore, Jen Psaki, uh, who would you send? Who would you trade to Russia to obtain the release of in, of uh, WNBA star Brittany Griner, who is now facing a nine year sentence? But again, I don't think she's going to do it. I think there's going to be a a deal. I think the uh, the Biden team Biden is going to cut a deal while Taiwan is getting blown up. And they're not paying any attention to that. They're feverishly working on this important international crisis involving Brittany Griner. Um, the WNBA's Brittany Griner has been sentenced to nine years in the Russian pokey. 
Should uh, she do the time, or should the U.S. swap a prisoner for her? And the story is that we're going to send a arms dealer, a Russian arms dealer that we have. But I was just thinking, you know, is this an opportunity maybe to kill two birds with one stone and, you know, send somebody else? Who would you send? Who would you swap for Brittany Griner? 210-599-5555. Charles is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, Charles. Hi, how you doing today, Jack? Nice to hear you, hear your voice. You have a great show. Um, I appreciate I, that. I thought this through a lot. I I would send Ron Nuremberg and Jalen McKee. If we're going to send somebody, let's make a statement <laughs> with Jalen. You know, <laughs> what do you want to pick on Jalen McKee for? He just got there. Uh, I just God. got there. All right, now Ron uh, Nuremberg. That's interesting. Uh, should we send Mayor Ron Nuremberg? I'm thinking if Ron Nuremberg wakes up in Moscow. He's just going to think he's in Austin, you know. He yeah. he won't yeah, even know. He won't party. even know. Yeah, I know. Um, all way. right, so Charles, thank you for that. Ron Nirenberg for Brittany Griner, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Don Cooper was asking me. Our producer was asking me. Do you think if she comes back, and I think she's going to, um, will this experience have have changed? her outlook on the United States, which was obviously very negative. You know, she she's one of these professional athletes who believes that this is a, a corrupt, broken, racist, uh, you know, country, and uh, she's not proud of it. And I, I could see that happening. I mean, it's, it's conceivable that you would go abroad, you would be able to see your country from afar, and you, it would look different to you. That's, that's happened to people. I mean, even the astronauts talked about how seeing Earth from the moon was profound and, and affecting for them. But I don't know, there's something about these days when people climb up on a position or an ideology these days, it is, it is very rare that public, you know, figures will climb down. I mean, it's just very rare to hear somebody in a public posture, not, not, not somebody you and I would know, but, you know, somebody in, in, the, in the limelight say, boy, I was wrong. You know, I, I, I took the wrong position. I had the wrong idea. I've learned. I, I now recognize my mistake. It would be powerful. It doesn't seem to happen very often. All right, 210-599-5555. Who would you send to obtain the freedom of Brittany Griner? Steve is on KTSA. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing today? Good, hey, sir. How I are got, you? Uh, got some good picks here for you. I would send the entire late-night talk show lineup. <laughs> Col- Colbert, Kimmel, Fallon, and a bonus hard labor for life pick, Seth Myers. Okay. You really don't like those late night guys, huh? Oh, uh, they're they're fantastic. Uh, if you're yeah. a communist, yeah. okay, <laughs> all right. Steve says I would send all the late night TV talk show hosts. Wow, I think we're I think we're overpaying here. I think it I I think that's too much. I like my Joe Buck idea. Brad writes to Jack at KTSA dot com. Maybe they could put a mask on him so he looked like the Russian arms dealer. And then after we've got Brittany Griner back, they take the mask off and they find out they're stuck with Joe Buck. I don't know. I like that. That's kind of a that is kind of a bond feel to it, right? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. All right, who would you trade 
for Brittany Griner, if that's going to happen. Uh, Dan is on KTSA. Hi, Dan. Good afternoon, Jack. I was thinking we should send him the ultimate American communist, Bernie Sanders. He did honeymoon there. <laughs> that's right. He did. <laughs> Who does that? He went on a honeymoon <laughs> to the Soviet Union. I mean, what 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 the hap- what happened to a cruise or Las Vegas or Hawaii? Who does that? Even communists don't honeymoon in a communist country. Even they go somewhere else. Yeah, you're right. That's Bernie awesome. Sanders. All right. So tell Bernie he can end up where he started out. I uh, will send him for for Brittany Grinds. Uh, Brittany Griner, 210-599-5555. Sarita's on KTSA. Hi, Sarita. Hi. I would send either, actually both, Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar, the squawking idiots. Mm, wow, okay. But we're, we've cleaned out the entire uh, cast of The View now. We've sent everybody back there. So there's nobody left on The View. I don't know if you're a car buff or not, Christian, but there was a, a video that went viral last couple of days. It was supposed to be a... Um, prototype of the new hybrid corvette they mm-hmm. call it the e-ray yeah it's got a gas engine and an electric motor as well and they were testing it out in the desert somewhere out west and it, it caught fire and and was totally destroyed yeah i and heard everybody about, was circulate did you hear about that i heard about it. i don't know what caused the fire though yeah they didn't know they 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 were speculating that um there might have been an oil leak and it it leaked onto the battery pack or there obviously there could have been a number of things and they're investigating it because the thing is a total it's just basically a puddle uh at this point nothing that even looks like a car (laughs) but but just now just now general motors on their on their twitter account has said oh no 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 that was a regular gasoline powered corvette okay so it's almost like they're trying to get out in front of the Oh, here's another electric car fire, you know, story or narrative or what have you. Because remember, when 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 Teslas first came out, every week there'd be one you know, right. going up in flames somewhere. Right. And you don't know how how widespread that is, or if it's just something that every time it happens, it goes viral. But uh, so that's the latest wrinkle on the Corvette fire. If you're wondering, General Motors says, "Oh no, that was we just we were just testing a gasoline powered Corvette." Well, wh- why? <laughs> Why would you be doing that? It's a very good anyway. question. Yeah. Yeah, right? Well, look into that for us, Christian. See what you can find out. Will do. There's, a, uh, there's another controversy. This is this one is hilarious. You know, they are, the media are, are really warming up for Ron DeSantis. They really are getting ready for the he's worse than Trump. That's going to be the narrative. I, trust me, if they both run for president, they're going to tell you DeSantis is worse so the latest controversy is um, Florida has now made available in their menu of vanity plates, customizable license plates, a Gadsden flag license plate. And when they announced it, they announced that the proceeds from the Gadsden flag plates will go to help Florida veterans. But the Gadsden flag according to our own FBI, is now a symbol of white supremacists and white supremacy terrorism. Of course it's not. You you don't have to tell me that. I I know it's not. You know it's not. But um, the idea is that this is DeSantis 
you know, dog whistling to the far right, and uh, this is just awful, and um, it's deplorable and uh, racist. Gadsden flag. So, um, somebody pointed out that a number of other states already offer a Gadsden flag license plate. Does Texas offer one? I feel like I've seen it. Can you? I don't know. I don't have. Uh, personalized plates. I'm I'm cheap. I just take the plates they give you. But can you get a Gadsden flag plate here? I don't know if you can. One of the states that has them is home to the FBI, Virginia. <laughs> so apparently, while they're angsting over Florida's Gadsden flag, they they didn't notice all these years these these uh, counterterrorism geniuses didn't notice that there are Gadsden flags in their own state. But you heard this right? The FBI. This was a Project Veritas thing. The FBI has put out a, a memo. It's not classified or secret or anything, but it, it talks about the, the things that are symbols of uh, right-wing terrorism. And among just so you know, among the things they list are the Gadsden flag, the abbreviation 2A for Second Amendment, sometimes because Second Amendment is lengthy to say, you'll write, or on Twitter you'll put 2A. Well, that is a, that's a sign. That's like a secret handshake, okay? The Betsy Ross flag, these are signs of what they call MVEs, and you might be an MVE, Militia Violent Extremists. So the Gadsden flag. I think it was Scott Adams, you know, the cartoonist, Somebody on Twitter, and I, I wish I had made a note or flagged it, and I, and I didn't, and I thought I'd remember, and now I don't know if I do, but I think it was Scott Adams who said the other day that for the first time in his life, he, he felt that his own government saw him as an enemy. You know, we keep talking about radicalized Americans. We keep talking about uh, people that, that are described as or uh, assigned the identity of um, extremists. If we're going to do that, if we're going to call our fellow Americans names, ugly names, is it is it fair to ask, is it okay to talk about how that might have happened? Like, what makes these people that the FBI is writing memos about, people that go to school board meetings, what's made them this way? You know, they have profilers for serial killers and serial rapists and child molesters. They have people that, that spend all their time trying to figure out what makes this guy tick, what what drove this person to the, these actions or these choices. I mean, apparently it's important to know that with crime. So why are we not interested in, why is there no professional curiosity, it seems, as to why people feel like their own government is their enemy. And I don't mean, you know, the, the, the old sort of American mistrust or distrust of authority. I mean, that goes back to the, the colonial times. I'm talking about people like Scott Adams, who's a sophisticated, well-educated guy, who's saying, you know, and I think he's in his 50s or 60s, and he's saying, you know, I've never, I've never until Joe Biden became president, I never thought that my government 
was my enemy. And I think that's worth examining. Not not by Joe Biden, but maybe by the people that are reporting these stories and, and packaging these these theories. And and it also makes me wonder, and I do a lot of wondering, if they really are focusing as much as they claim to be on the white supremacy terrorism threat, the MVE. What happened to the old terrorism threat? Like, did did ISIS just hang it up and go fishing? Are they not? That's not a thing anymore. I mean, are they they out of, are they out of the terrorism business? Did they open a B and B somewhere? Do we have the luxury of vilifying Americans with whom we disagree and not paying attention to people who actually wish to do the country harm? Because most people who disagree with whatever party is in power, most of them, will feel that way until their party is in power. So it, it comes and goes. But the terrorists, the ISIS terrorists, the, the PLO terrorists, the, you know, the professional terrorists, they're your enemy every day, every year. I wonder if we're prioritizing. I mean, maybe we are. The uh, I mentioned Scott Adams. He's been tweeting a lot about the... Uh, he's the Dilbert guy, by the way, if you don't know, the Dilbert cartoonist. But he's been tweeting a lot about the the J6 committee hearings, and his take on it, which I think is right, is that um, the hearings have kept Trump relevant. So you've got to ask yourself, do I believe what people say or do I believe what they do? The Democrats will tell you that Trump is the worst thing that ever happened to this country. They'll tell you that um, his presidency was a failure. Nancy Pelosi says she can't even bring herself to speak his name. I mean, that's that's an incredible thing. We we speak Adolf Hitler's name, but she she can't get the words Donald Trump out of her mouth. But Adam says, "Look, you've kept him relevant. You've kept election rigging in the news in the conversation." You've reminded people how useless Congress is. And despite the name of the committee, you've not discovered anything new or proven a chain of of guilt or a chain of evidence. Your star witness exploded in your face. It's interesting how everything Democrats claim they don't want was delivered by January 6th committee and everything that January 6th committee was supposed to do, it didn't do. I, I, I still believe, the simple, if you want to understand all this, the simplest explanation is that Democrats want Donald Trump more than Republicans do. There's tons of Republicans who would be fine with Ron DeSantis. But the Democrats really need it to be Trump. Biden really needs it to be Trump. Pelosi and Schumer really need it to be Trump. They even are making the midterm about Trump, and he's not even on the ballot. Yes, they will tell you if if it is DeSantis, they'll tell you he's death Santis and he's worse and he's but their heart won't be in it, you know. Trump's the Trump's the uniting, animating, and he's the extra double shot of espresso for them. He he he, he just makes it makes it happen for them, you know. 
They don't have anybody of their own. I want to play something for you because I think this is this kind of sums it up. Um, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney is running for re-election. She's in a she's in kind of a bad spot because with redistricting in New York, she and Jerry Nadler are running against each other. Only one of them is going to get to stay in Congress. They've both been in a long time. They're both leading figures in their party, Carolyn Maloney and, and Jerry Nadler. Well, she was asked whether she would uh, support Joe Biden for re-election in their debate, and she wouldn't answer. She wouldn't endorse. She even said, I don't believe Biden is running for re-election. So then she went on CNN, and this is what I'm going to play for you. And I want to—I want you to listen. Here is a career politician who's been on CNN hundreds of times. Listen to her struggle to explain and explain support for Biden. Listen to this. I think we owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to President Biden. He saved the country by running against former President Trump, and he defeated him. And he has also done an incredible job as president of passing the Build Back Better, uh, the, it, the American Rescue Plan, the Infrastructure Plan, uh, and, and now the, infrastru- the Inflation Reduction Plan, which is based off the Build Back Better. So I think he's done an incredible job and is giving us a, a record to run on in the 22 elections. Uh, let's finish the 22, 22 elections before we get to 24. But wh- why, did you, why do you think he's not running? That was just my own personal belief, which I'm not going <laughs> to, uh, but I, I will support him if he runs, and it's totally his decision. But why do you have that personal belief? Well, we're all entitled to have our own information and our own beliefs, but I will support him if he runs for president. He's already been an outstanding president. Uh, it's, he's helped the city tremendously with the American Rescue Plan. It brought billion to our city, kept our hospitals, our trains running, helped the small businesses and provided free vaccines to everyone. And the new bill that he's come out with, I think is really exciting, the inflation reduction bill, which will allow Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices. That'll be extremely helpful and has the first and most largest uh, investment in in greening of America, and 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 I particularly like his uh, his move to electrify the postal fleet. That's the second largest fleet in America, and it will move us towards uh, green energy. You can use the postal offices as Are charging hearing, stations. Stop the and, tape, I'm gonna done. Are you hearing the struggle? This is like a hostage tape. You know. Like where if they pulled the camera back, there'd be there'd be hooded figures with guns, you know. Keep talking. That's not enough yet. We're not, you know, we're not releasing her yet. All right, continue. She's going to say something incredible here. Just keep listening. Seventy uh, percent of the toxic fumes that are polluting the environment come from fossil fuels, so it'll reduce that tremendously. So you're so thank you, President Biden. Okay, you're a fan of his. You're a fan of his, to be clear, even as you said that you uh, you think he won't be running. I do want to ask you, uh, I think that debate... No, I probably gave, should. I, Mr. President, I apologize. I want you to run. I happen to think you won't be running. But when you run, or if you run, I will be there 100%. What? You have deserved it. 
You are a great president. What the hell is and- that? I, I, Mr. President, I apologize. I, I want you to run, but I happen to think you won't be running. The, these are his friends. These aren't some. This isn't some hostile panel on on Gutfeld. These are. His, this is his own party. I mean, have you ever seen this? A majority of people in his own party. Boy, I hope he doesn't run. Members of Congress in his own party. He shouldn't run. This one says it one night, and then the next night, oh, I, I, that was just my personal opinion, but I don't think he will be running. That, could they be any clearer? You know, at this point, if I was Joe Biden, I wouldn't want to be alone with any of these people. They'll, they'll put a pillow over his face. I mean, it's unbelievable. They had Cori Bush the other day. She was doing a local interview in Missouri, the congresswoman. Uh, and they asked her, do you want to see Joe Biden run for a second term? I don't want to answer that question. About <laughs> president of her own party. But you got to remember something else. It wasn't like these people weren't around when Biden was running in 2019 and 2020. They are his, um, if you will, apologists. They are the ones that glossed over the obvious deficiencies of Biden as a candidate and as a person. These are the people who pretended they didn't know his own history. These are the people who assured the American voter that they were getting the deal of a lifetime. They were getting FDR and JFK all rolled into one. And and to hear them talk like this, you know how bad the polling must be. You You realize how scared they must be. They must be looking at numbers. They must be looking at internal indications we don't get that are really dire. Because that's Carolyn Maloney, a professional politician, stammering and stuttering. And I think she's blinking SOS in Morse code. It's it's wild. Mr. President, I apologize. I want you to run. I happen to think you won't be running. But when you run or if you run, I will be there 100 (laughs) percent. That whole thing with Carolyn Maloney sums up the politics in this country today. So Carolyn Maloney is a member of Congress. She's in her, I think, late 70s. Jerry Nadler's a member of Congress. He's in his mid to late 70s. They've been in the House for many years. They, they go back. But because of redistricting, there's a new district that combines the Upper West and Upper East side of Manhattan. Um, and so Nadler's district and Maloney's district are now one district. I mean, New York's losing population, so they're going to lose House seats. So, And by the way, this new district will be the richest congressional district in the in the country so these two fabulously wealthy lifelong politicians are at, at an age where they should be just you know taking it easy are running against one another and in the debate they're asked a question that now every candidate gets asked in the democratic party should President Biden run again in 2024? It's bizarre that that is a question, but you can see where it's become one. And Nadler's answer was fairly diplomatic. We don't need to talk about that right now, but she blurted out, I don't think he's running. And so that explains her CNN hostage tape where, where she, where she has, I mean, these people are both way past their, you know, best by dates. Let's, let's be honest, but, um, I think the struggle is based on what they know is coming. And not just in the midterms, but 
you know, you look at um, the, 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 the changing demographics of the Democratic Party, you know, they are losing bit by bit the voters they took for granted. That guy Steve Kornacki on MSNBC did a thing about the Hispanic vote. Do we have that, Don? Do you have that clip? Cut number four, I think it is. He was he was showing what's happening with the Hispanic vote in the Democratic Party. Listen to this. Well, it was one of the major stories to emerge from the 2020 election. It was the shift we saw in the Hispanic vote. Democrats still won the Hispanic vote in 2020. You can see by 21 points. But that was down 17 points from 2016. Hillary Clinton won the Hispanic vote by 38. Joe Biden by just 21. And you know what? The trend seems to be continuing in 2022. What you're looking at here, this is the average of every poll we've got out there that's been taken over the last three months that looks at the Hispanic vote. And you put them all together, Hispanics are now voting Democratic by just 13 points. So from 38 to 21, now down in the 2022 midterm polling to a Democratic advantage of just 13 points. Okay, hold it right there. I'm not even sure it's that high. But listen to what he said, and I'm not faulting him for saying it. It's a common usage. He said, the Hispanic vote. And you can call it that when it's all in one place. You can call it that when it's all in, in encased in one party. But it's not anymore. It doesn't mean the Republicans will ever have as large a share of it as the Democrats have had. But if it's not all in one place and you can't take it for granted and you can't count on it and you can't call people breakfast tacos or Latinx, that's a problem for Democrats. Republicans don't know how they got here. They, they haven't even figured it out. Most of them. But that's what I think is panicking the Democrats. They've reduced their interest in women. They used to be the party of women, right? But now the only thing they care about regarding women, if they, are, if they define women, is abortion. Women have been reduced to abortions. We, we hear politicians talk about pregnancy as if it is supposed to end in an abortion. Like, it's, it's bizarre and obscene that you might keep the kid. And then you listen to them talk about crime and gun laws. And they preside over the most dangerous places in the country, but claim to have the answers for mass shootings or the environment. Now, we all like clean air and clean water, but when you hear them talk about it, they're telling you you don't need a car, you don't need air conditioning, you don't need meat. So these people can read the polls, and I imagine they're seeing polls that are even more stark than the ones that are being reported uh, to us. And um, at this point, the Democratic Party is like a, a bunch of guys that get together once a month. They're all retired, you know, from some business or company. And they get together once a month at gyms and they tell old war stories and they rehash the glory days. Nothing wrong with that. But you can't build a winning political party out of that, and that's basically what the Democrats are at this point. It's, it's a bunch of people that are past their prime with a bunch of ideas that can't be sold. And 
the the heir apparent to all of this is none other than Kamala Harris, and that's of their own making. They did that to themselves. So little wonder that they need, and this is where I'm going with this, this is why they need Donald Trump. He's got to run. He's their savior. Every good thing that's happened to them the last six years is because of him. And they can use him to, like the, you know, when the moon eclipses the sun, they can stand him up in front of their terrible record, their terrible performance on the job, i.e. America's big cities and blue states. They can also stand him up in front of things they want to do going forward that are, again, wildly unpopular. And they're hoping you'll just see him. And... um I don't know about the Republicans. I, I there's, Here and there I see encouraging signs, but I still don't think they really get how this is benefiting them and why this is benefiting them. And if they don't figure it out, they won't be able to grab onto and, and, and retain those benefits. You know what I mean? They may they may get the, 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 the good out of it in 2022 and maybe even 2024, but they got to figure out what to say and what to do now that they've got all of these voters available to them who they didn't think would be available to them, like border county Hispanic voters here in Texas. Remember remember we had the, um, I forget who it was, but right after the 2016 election, Trump had won, and that was a surprise to the pundits and the experts. And um, there was a Republican senator who did an interview in which he said they did not have a an Obamacare repeal bill. Do you remember this? He said, we don't have a, a repeal bill ready because we were sure that Hillary was going to win the election. He didn't say it exactly those, that way, but that was the gist of what he said. We weren't ready to do this thing we've been promising to do for six years because we, we just assumed Hillary would win. That's That's how Republicans think, many of them. They're um, they're not sure what to do with the Myra Flores voter. They're not sure what to do with the Tim Scott voter. They're really not even sure what to do with the Donald Trump voter, right? I mean, if you're a Donald Trump supporter, do you get the feeling that the Republicans are, are, are uncomfortable about you and are not too sorted out about you? It's kind of a love-hate thing. I mean, I know everybody says, oh, it's just it's just Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. No, it's not. No, not at all. We have tons of establishment Republicans right here in Texas that find Trump and his supporters kind of stinky, like people you wouldn't want to be on an elevator with. So that explains Carolyn Maloney's struggles, and she is struggling. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Brian is on the radio at 550 and 1071 KTSA. Brian, good afternoon. Hey, Jack, how you doing? My favorite radio talk show host. Um, you know, I, in relation to what you're saying, the state of our government, the state of our nation, many of the topics that you talk about, God bless you for that. Um, there is a, a video that I think everybody in our country should watch on YouTube. He's a former KGB agent named Yuri Bezmenov. He defected from the Soviet Union uh, 
I think in the early 80s, and he gave an interview in 1984 where he said he knew that the Soviet Union, but they knew the Soviet Union did not want to go to nuclear war with us, but they had another approach, and, and it was it was infiltrating our institutions and demoralizing our people. So that even if they never went to war with us short term, they would win the long term war, which would be to collapse our nation through demoralization. And he said they their their plan was to infiltrate our institutions, our um, public arenas of life like Hollywood, film, and all of it in order to, to change our thinking and make us a different kind of people so we didn't know left from right, up from down, or right from wrong. And I hate to say it, but if you watch that video, you will see that they succeeded. I, I have watched the video, and um, I know okay. who you mean. Um, I, yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I see the connection that you're making, Brian, and if we were having this conversation 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I would agree with you. But, of course, the 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 world has changed. The, the reason he was given isn't even a reason anymore. There's no, I mean, there's no Soviet Union. Right. What we're doing to ourselves right, but... now is not the, the, the master plan of some external enemy. I mean, you might like to think it is. We might wish it was. It would be nicer to think that, 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 that we Americans are only the victims of this. But I believe we're doing this to ourselves. I believe it's Americans doing this to Americans. I don't think it's a foreign plot. Well, what I meant to say, Jack, was that what they enacted, even though it was abandoned, it continued to take place, and we still became a demoralized people. Now, not everybody in America is demoralized, but it's it's enough to where it, it has a sway and an effect. When I mean, when you see people that cannot give you a definition of what a man or a woman is, or whether abortion is wrong, and everything comes down to some kind of pragmatic... Um, um answer for every decision made like there's there's little there's so little faith you know left in the american people anymore we've become a a materialistic people in the sense of everything has to have a material cause and a material solution there's no supernatural there's no god everything is you know well i think um, you're conflating with brian with all due respect i don't mean to you you paid me some nice compliments so i don't mean to step on those but i think you're conflating some people with all people so there are some people who claim they can't define a woman most americans absolutely can define a woman still can always sure. could I, I wouldn't put it on most people what you're saying i i think there is a an elite or a crust an upper crust and they're in academia and they're in politics and they're in media i would agree with you about that but, you know, when you talk about the whole American people, 330 million people, that, you, that, that does not describe them. Jack, I, uh, I worked for Delta Airlines uh, before the pandemic. And um, I went back up to Minneapolis uh, in 2021. And in front of their maintenance facility, Delta Airlines had Black Lives Matter flags posted. Mm -hmm. They had about 10 of them. Mm -hmm. So even corporations are supporting the woke agenda, mm -hmm. and it's like they they can't see 
what's really going on. But does or that mean everybody that works for Delta? Senator. Since you worked for no, Delta, let me not. ask you, does that mean most of them? No, most of them think it's a crock, right? Right. No, of course and, not. And I, I, what I want you to think about is that's the country, okay? So Delta Airlines is the country. The people running Delta right. put those flags up and feel good about it and hope the crocodile will eat them last. But the people that work on right. the airplanes and in the, the gate areas, they've got a head on their shoulders and they and they know better. And I think that's... And I want to leave you with this. I think that's that's the American people. They're not. We are not our leaders. We are not Carolyn Maloney. We are not Joe Biden. We are not the ladies on the View. And and it's easy to think we are. And it might be very discouraging to think we are. But I don't believe we are. I really don't. I mean, ask yourself this: Did you have a hand in? Did you put into power the people that are the upper elite? Did you choose them? Did you, did you hire the, the people that, that are on the news? Did you hire the, the people that are running the, the House and Senate and the Democratic and Republican parties and these woke corporations? No. Did they reflect you? Did anyone ask you? No. And I think that's what Scott Adams was saying, is that you, you start to feel like a stranger in your own country, but the antidote to that is look around at your own country. Look at the people next to you, not the people above you. Very reassuring, I believe, if you do that. Man in Mississippi, Christian, claims that his cat saved his life from would-be home invaders. A cat? A cat. This sounds like a, it sounds like a, setting up a joke here, but I'm not. Uh, 68-year-old Fred Everett says his uh, cat bandit uh, jumped onto his bed one uh, morning recently and began pulling the comforter off him and clawing at his arm. Uh, he knew something was wrong. She had never done that before. He got up to investigate, and there were two young men prying open his back door. Really? He, uh, got his gun, returned to the uh, kitchen where the back door was, and the guys took off. He says it might have been very different without Bandit. You know, I find that very impressive because I'm, you know, my wife calls me Cat Whisperer. Yeah, I'm really into cats. But in my case, I don't have a problem getting a cat to crawl in my lap and purr. I have never had a cat warn me because of an intruder. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm wondering if maybe it was coincidental, you know, like maybe the cat was just being obnoxious or <laughs> or the cat sensed something. Jack, don't throw water on the story. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know what? If I was him, I'd, I'd I'd add a dog to that mix just to be on the safe side next time. But <laughs> maybe so. All right, I don't think I don't think people will start putting um, decals on their front uh, screen doors that say uh, "Cat on Duty," Morris on Duty. Uh, Six oh eight on KTSa. Later in this hour, we're going to see how you voted on the question about the WNBA player Brittany Griner. She's been sentenced to nine years in prison in Russia. But the State Department is said to be working on a deal whereby they would trade her freedom for the, this arms dealer that the Russians want to get back from us. Would you make the deal, or should she do the time? Is our question on the JR poll at 210-599-5555. She was found guilty of, among other things, having uh, cannabis vape canisters in her luggage which she says was a mistake, and she's apologized to everybody on earth, 
and didn't know they were there and wouldn't have done it and didn't mean to do it and didn't mean to disrespect the the law. Um, So they're negotiating to trade her for a Russian arms dealer whose nickname is Merchant of Death. I would have thought that was already taken. (laughs) That sounds like... That sounds a little trite, doesn't it? Merchant of Death. In fact, the uh, Russians are asking for several people for Brittany Griner, so maybe we should get draft choices or a minor leaguer or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we were also asking the question, um, who would you trade to the Russians for Brittany Griner? If this is an opportunity to, you know, move some merchandise, who would you, uh, who would you send over there? Of course... That's presuming that the Russians would take him, you know, or her. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. And then we were talking about, have you ever have you ever worked someplace where somebody was promoted to a job or hired for a job and they just, it, you know, and I'm not talking about how you feel about them personally, you didn't like them or whatever. I'm talking about objectively the person is is failing. They can't do it. And maybe at first the the correct response to that is to help them or support them or get them extra resources, but you have to at some point confront the fact that you've made a mistake. You've hired somebody that cannot do the work. They're not able to do it. They cannot get it done. Aren't we there now with Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary? I mean, I've, 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 I've held back. And Lord knows we've played a lot of clips and we've had our fun. But I'm at the point now where it's, it's not funny anymore. It's not fun or funny to play some soundbite of her reading from the wrong page in the binder or reading it upside down. or You know what I mean? It's, and I remember when, when Jen Psaki was the press secretary and Peter Ducey would just relish these encounters. But at least with Jen Psaki and Peter Ducey, it felt like an even matchup, you know? It felt like a close game. It went all nine innings. When it's Peter Ducey versus Corinne Jean-Pierre, it's like, you know, it's like 12 to nothing after three innings. It's it's a dumpster fire rolling down an embankment into a flood. And I I even think they're... Even the the sympathetic media, which is the other 99% of the people in the room at the White House briefing, I think even they can see it, right? And my question is, if if people are supposed to be jazzed because she's the first lesbian woman or, or LGBTQ woman to be press secretary, is it not insulting to the group that you thought you were complimenting to leave someone in the job who is failing pretty obviously i mean it isn't really progress when we can hire the first blank 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 it's progress when we can acknowledge that we have to let go of the first blank 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 right that's that's when we know we've kind of crossed that bridge and yeah she's it's it's a disaster i was telling the story earlier we hired a producer for the show years ago when we were on at night and this was a guy that had never done talk show producing, but he'd worked at the radio station. He took an interest in it. He told me we had posted the job, and he he uh, he took an interest in it. And I have to tell you, I I kind of I kind of started to like the idea 
of a non-traditional person doing it. And I was, his enthusiasm was infectious. And I guess a little bit flattering, if I would be honest, you know. He wanted to do this job. Please give me the chance. And I went to our boss, and he was skeptical. And I said, no, he really, this guy really wants it. I mean, let's, let's, let's try him out. And he said, well, we can't just try him out. I mean, you, these days when you hire people, there's all this, you know, EEO stuff and HR stuff. And so I, I, I got my way. And against the advice of my own supervisor, we hired this guy. And it was, he wasn't a bad person, but he was a disaster. I mean, right out of the gate. We knew within a couple of weeks we had made a, or I had made a huge mistake. And that's how it is with KJP. It's not going to get any better. And, and, you know, I was even thinking the other day, now these days when you, if you hire someone and it doesn't work out, your troubles are only just beginning. Because in, in this litigious age, how do you fire people? Everybody's a member of some protected group, right? Everyone's got a, a hook to hang their discrimination hat on. And then there's that awkward thing where the person you let the person go, or they leave your organization, and the next thing you get a call from someone that wants a reference. And I'm sure you've heard this. HR people will tell you, you have to be super careful. You can't give a bad reference. You just can't. So you either have to give a good reference, even if it's a lie. That has its own problems. Or you decline to give a reference, which obviously is interpreted a certain way. It's a mess. I'm not saying the White House will have a hard time moving on. They will, but yeah, it's, it's not easy. But, I mean, is it not obvious at this point? And, again, putting politics aside, I'm not, I'm not coming at this from the standpoint of agreeing or disagreeing with the Biden administration. She just can't do it. 210-599-5555. How bad is the economy? They asked the CEO of Burger King, well, the company that owns Burger King. He was on CNBC says, you know how you know things are bad? More people than ever are redeeming coupons and loyalty points. Burger King and its sister brands are seeing a higher and higher level of coupon usage and loyalty program rewards. He told CNBC, uh, the company hasn't seen a significant change in what customers are buying company includes Burger King, Popeyes, Tim Hortons, and other brands. Uh, but pretty clearly, consumers are spending less of their money on burgers and fries. And people are trading down from uh, casual dining restaurants to more of the fast food types. And he says one indication that things are tough, things are tight, more coupons discount programs. So there you go. There's there's one of your economic indicators. Do you remember Carlos Abelar? We used to have him on Gang of Four. Soccer-loving, construction guy, Republican, Ron Paul Republican kind of guy. Anyway, um, he hit me on Facebook with an anecdote about how he went to pay for something in a store. I don't know what business he was in, but the the 
the bill, the price was $18.11, and he gave the person at the counter $20.11. So the bill was $18.11. He handed over $20.11. You do that so you can get two bucks back. Nice, even, no coins, paper folding money. He says, she looked at me like I was a white supremacist. I have had, not a, not the white supremacist part, but I've had that experience numerous times lately. Is it just Carlos and me? People do not know what you're doing. If you give them exact change, but more on the paper side, more in front of the decimal point, because you want to get an even amount of money back. You don't want to get nickels and dimes and pennies they don't know what you're doing. And I've had people say to me, you're overpaying. Now, if you just handed them a 20, they wouldn't say that. But they, they don't know what to do. I'm not saying everybody, but it seems like a lot of people don't know what to do with that. Have you had that happen? Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, you're trying to get rid of your coins, trying to reduce your coin holdings. So you you count out the the coins so that you'll just get dollars back. Or maybe you are rounding it up so that you'll get just a 10 back instead of a 5 and some 1s and some coins. You just want to get a 10 back. They don't know what to do. It's a, it's a small thing. It's a little annoying, though, because a couple of times I've had to say, all right, all right, give it back to me. I'll just, you know, you have to give up. You certainly, especially if there's people behind you, you're in a drive-through or something. You can't explain it. It's not like a not like a teachable moment. But I don't. What is going on with that? And I, I mean, I haven't worked retail in 40 years, but I thought that. I thought that there was even like I thought that the 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 machine, the whatever it's now called, the terminal, computer, register, whatever. I thought that thing told them what the change was. I thought that thing did the math for them. And I, I guess they don't really recognize what you're... Maybe it's because young people aren't really paying for anything with real money. Like, they probably are debiting everything. They've got their chime card. So maybe if you don't handle paper money, you don't really know what to do with it. I don't know. The, the, it, it seems like it would be pretty obvious. Here's a $20 bill. Here's 11 cents. Give me two bucks back. It's not... You know, this is not calculus. 210-599-5555. Mike is on the radio. Mike, good afternoon. Hello, Jack. Uh, you really hit the bell there. I, uh, I'm i retired. I worked for American Airlines for many years, and I worked in counter sales for worldwide freight. And I had a uh, young lady come in and uh, ask for her package, and I gave it to her. And uh, she paid me, and I paid her. I gave her back the change, you know, counted it back uh, sixty. I don't remember the amount, but let's say sixty dollars and uh, twenty-two cents. And I said uh, twenty-two, twenty-three, four, five, and blah blah blah. Went on back, and she said, "How did you do that?" And she ran outside and got her friend to come in and said, "Do that again for her." It was like a magic and trick. I did it. 
<laughs> yeah, magic trick. The, the irony of this, Jack, is they were both seniors at Trinity University studying oh, wow. to be uh, school teachers. Wow. And I, I, I just, I, 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 I'm not a real smart guy, but uh, my goodness gracious, when you count money back, yeah. and they don't do that anymore at the store. They just hand you something. Do you think it's because? Cheap. Do you think it's because they really themselves? They probably don't spend money. They probably do mostly, you know, cards, right? Card. Yeah, uh, that could be. But it's uh, this to me is very sinking. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just floored. Uh, I, I mean, don't maybe it's a... not going to. Ma- maybe eventually it won't matter. Like you know, m- maybe this is a skill you won't need to have, but. It's just, it seems like all of a sudden we went from knowing how to do this stuff to not knowing how to do it. Mike, thank you. Thank you for the the call, sir. I appreciate hearing from you. Um, Yeah, I mean, not a big deal. This isn't a huge thing. I remember one time we were talking on the show about, um, oh, I think it was cursive writing. And uh, people were arguing back and forth, callers were arguing back and forth about whether they should still teach cursive writing. And the the point of teaching cursive writing isn't so much that you can write a letter in cursive it's that if you don't learn it you can't read it and 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 kids you know today if they get a letter from a relative in cursive you have to read it to them it might as well be in sanskrit or you know <laughs> they can't, it's in it's in hieroglyphics you know it's like a sundial they can't read it now, again, I, I get where that's on its way out. But shouldn't we have some passing familiarity with it until it's completely gone? Reading maps was another one people talked about. Well, you don't need to know how to read a map, Jack. Come on, your phone, navigation. I, I understand. But I also know that once in a while you're at the mall or you're in a a, a national park and there's a, a sign, you are here. Everybody can find the you are here dot, right? But then you have to be able to figure out how to get there from here. How do you how do you look at this thing and figure it out, you know? How do I get to how do I get to Orange Julius? I don't think they have that anymore, but you know what I mean. Thirty-seven on KTSA, Jack Riccardi. This half hour, the results on the Stevens Roofing JR poll. The WNBA's Brittany Griner sentenced to prison in Russia. Should she do the time, or should we swap prisoners for her? We're going to see how you voted. According to Yelp, the most photographed place, location in San Antonio, the place people are snapping the most pictures of and posting the most pictures of on social media, is Meteora. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I mean, I get it, because if you're visiting San Antonio, Meteora looks like what you think San Antonio will look like. And it's, it's a great place. 
But Meteor is number one. The Alamo is number two, according to Yelp. In third place, and again, this is surprising to me. I, I think I might know why. So number one, Meteora. Number two, the Alamo. Number three, Boudreaux on the Riverwalk. Now, I think I know why that is. Have you ever been to Boudreaux? The tourists love Boudreaux because you order the guacamole and they make it at table side. I know there's a lot of places that do that, but if you if you're if you're just in from you know Duluth, that is a very exotic experience. You know, you might as well be seeing. <laughs> it's like the dance of the seven veils. They're making guacamole at the table right next to me. Look, so I'm sure there's a lot of tourists that whip out their phones and. You know, send that back to the folks in uh, in uh, wherever they're from. Uh, number four, the Riverwalk. The San Antonio Zoo was number 11. The Japanese Tea Garden was number 13. Further down the list, some of the museums, San Antonio Museum of Art and so forth. But, yeah, number one, Meteora, most photographed location in San Antonio, according to Yelp. Was the tower on the uh, list? It wasn't on the list. It wasn't on the list. But I don't know. I mean, would you take a picture of it or would you take pictures from it? You'd probably more be likely to take pictures from it. What do you tell people about the tower? I always tell, I'm, I'm going to admit this. I always tell people, don't, don't bother with the tower. I mean, it's, I love seeing it on the skyline, but that, that restaurant is just, it's way overrated. It's, it is so overrated. But if somebody, wants to celebrate a special occasion and they've got their heart set on it, take them to the tower. There's so many better places. You know, I get it. The view's great. Go up and look, you know, go up and take a look. But the, the eating up there is way overrated, I think. And it's been, I know it's been many different things over the years. I feel like all of them were kind of overrated, in my opinion. Anyway, just for what it's worth, getting a jump on tomorrow night. Uh, 210-599-5555. Um... I wanted to play this for you. I think it's pretty funny. You know, Senator uh, John Kennedy of Louisiana, that kind of blunt, plain-spoken, it always reminds me a little bit of uh, the uh, the sheriff in Live and Let Die, you know, the, the southern sheriff that James Bond hooks up with. Um, John Kennedy is running for re-election. This is his campaign ad in Louisiana. Take a listen to this. People say I'm too outspoken. It's true. I have the right to remain silent. I just don't have the ability. I'm just being me, John Kennedy. Folks, I will never completely fit in. For all those Washington insider elite bedwetters whose feelings I hurt, here's some free advice. Go buy yourself an emotional support party because I'm not going to shut up. And one more thing, always be yourself unless you suck. <laughs> All right. It's like, you know what it's like? It's like um, it's like the entire campaign ad is fortune cookie uh, messages. You know? But anyway, we love John Kennedy. Nobody else quite like him in politics. Uh, 210-599-55. 55. Norma wrote me an email, said, I should not give people exact change. It's my fault. 
don't be doing that. She wrote a whole long, it, apparently I touched a nerve with Norma, and, it, and the whole thing is to the effect of that it's mean and I'm a control freak. But I, I just, I have a lot of change and I don't want more. So when I can make exact change and get, you know, $2 back instead of $1.87, that's what I want. And people don't know how to do it. I would say at this point, and I'm not exaggerating, I would say at least half the time, the person behind the counter, the person at the drive window, they they look at you like you have given them, you know, money from Jupiter. Or, you know, you've given them uh gold reserve notes or something you know you, you've given them you've given them confederate money or something i mean they just what is that what are you what i'm sorry what are you doing here uh, you've given me too much i mean when people buy stuff they're always going to give you either exactly what it cost or too much <laughs> those are the only two possibilities you've given me too much and then you're embarrassed for them, right? Then you instead of instead of thinking, well, you ought to be able to do this, then you feel like, oh, all, right, all right, here, give it back to me. I'll just, you know, just, all right, here, just take this, and I'll take the change. So, I don't know. It wouldn't be that hard to. I mean, I get it, Norma. Okay, you're right, but it wouldn't be that hard for people in retail. Just learn, you know, practice with some coins at home, and you make change. I'm not asking people to learn, you know, trigonometry. Not that hard, right? 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. I, um, you may remember I was uh, gone for a couple of days in June, and that was because um, my aunt had passed away, and I went to her service. Um, and at the time that she got sick, she, she was my last remaining aunt, and at the time that she got sick, my uncle, her husband, was also sick. And we knew both of them were nearing the end. Well, he passed away over the weekend. And they're having his service today. I couldn't go back because I just got back from there, so I couldn't go back again. But um, he, was a, he was a very neat guy. He was my mother's older brother. My mother came from a family of five girls and two boys. And he was the next one in line to her. So as they grew up, he was her big brother, protector, patron, taught her to drive, um, vetted her boyfriends and dates, fixed her up with some dates. Uh, she would, she and her friends would go out with him and his friends in groups, you know, and um, and so he was her. I mean, she had another brother who was substantially older but this was the brother that she kind of grew up with and um he was a korean war era navy veteran and he served on um an lsd ship which was a dock loading ship and i didn't know this until fairly recently he, he had not told me the story before but this ship it was called the uss bell grove was at that one of those um, thermonuclear tests where they would park a, a, a flotilla of Navy ships. In this case, it was the Marshall Islands bikini. You've heard those, right? The, the atomic tests. They parked the Navy ships there. They had the guys stand on deck 
And then they set off devices. And he said the only precaution we took, we didn't have special clothing or any protection. They told us to put our forearm over our eyes. And he said when the blast went off, I could see the bones in my arm. So, thankfully, he didn't seem to have any major health consequences from that for most of his life. He was sick in the final couple of years. But um, after he got out of the Navy, he went to work for the telephone company, did that for many years. He got involved with VFW and homeless veterans and helped start the first homeless veteran shelter in Boston, the first of its kind. And, And that was important because a lot of times veterans only trust other veterans. And other organizations and agencies couldn't get these guys off the street, even on the coldest nights. They would not go into a shelter. And sometimes they would go into a shelter with other veterans, and if they were asked or invited by a veteran. And so that was hugely important, and it became very a very near and dear cause for him and his, his wife. So they did all that, and they worked in that for the rest of their life after they retired. And, um, and I was thinking about him today. He... He was my mother's big brother, and then he was kind of a big brother to guys in the Navy. He took a lot of younger guys under his wing, and then he was kind of a big brother to veterans and servicemen after he got out. He never, he could not not help a service member, active or retired, who needed help, who needed something, and he helped countless. And that was kind of his thing. He was a big brother. And then when I said that out loud, I thought, well, Big brother now is a put down, right? It's a it's a negative term. We we think of it in the Orwellian sense, but he was a big brother in the best way. In in the best meaning of the, of that term, and uh, we're going to miss him, and we're glad he's with his wife, and they're together again, and may he rest in peace. And just thinking a lot about my cousins, his family, and all of them today, and my mom. So my my bo- Jr. Pole. Uh, WNBA's Brittany Griner sentenced to nine years in the Russian big house. Should she do the time, or should we swap a prisoner or prisoners for her? Here's how you voted. 66% said she should do the time. 34% said we should swap a prisoner for her, and people had some pretty out-there suggestions and ideas for who we should trade for Brittany Griner. So I've had a lot of interesting responses on the change thing. Jason writes to Jack at KTSA.com. So he does the opposite of what I do and what Carlos does, where we try to minimize the return of coins. You know, it's eighteen eleven, give them a twenty dollar bill and eleven cents. Jason writes, I purposely give cashiers a bill combination that will feed me back the most change. It's 12.02, I give them $13, I save the change, cash it in every summer, and it's usually around $250 a year. Jason sounds like he might be the kind of guy that has those coin rollers. You know what I'm talking about? Remember those? Before we had, am I dating myself, Don? Before we had the, um, the Coinstar machines, where you could just take your pickle jar and dump it into the Coinstar machine, people used to get these little paper rollers. Remember they were color-coded, like red for pennies, and, and you would roll your coin. You'd, you'd sort your coins, and you would roll <laughs> your coins. You remember that, right? Oh, we all yeah. had like oh, a grandmother yeah. or somebody that did. 
And that was a big thing. You rolled your coins. Then you brought your coin rollers to the bank. And I think the banks weighed them to make sure that they were correct. But uh, I, um, I'm a fan of the coin star now. I don't haven't rolled coins in a long time. I'm sure those days are coming for me. When they put me out to pasture here, I'll probably be sitting at home at a bridge table. <laughs> so you watching black Do you have a like a large container coins? in your one of your closets with a bunch of pennies I, and nickels and dimes? No, I don't let it build up that much. When it when it when it gets to be just, you know, maybe five, ten bucks worth, I take it to the coin star. Yeah, I like the coin star. So you know what I'm talking about, right? The machine? You with me on that? Did I get ahead of you on the technology there? <laughs> hey, here's some technology. Um, this is going to make you feel a little bit old, maybe. Uh, NBC has announced the Days of Our Lives, which is the longest-running show on NBC, is moving off of NBC to its streaming network or streaming platform called Peacock, uh, starting September 12th. Now, soap operas have dwindled. There's only a few, right? There used to be a ton of them. I mean, my mom used to watch what she called her stories in the daytime. And she would call my grandmother. She would watch General Hospital or Days of Our Lives or whatever the shows were. And then she would call my grandmother every afternoon. And by now I was home from school. And I would hear, as a little kid, I would hear them talking about so-and-so's um, you know, operation, and he got killed in a car accident, and this guy's leaving his wife. And I thought these were people we knew. <laughs> I, thought were, I thought these were some some very interesting relatives, and it turned out they were the they would compare notes about the soaps. That was what they were talking about. But anyway, um, times are changing, and the audiences are changing, and so they're going to move days of our lives to streaming. And um, replace it with a news show. So. Um, one more thing on the um, on the coins. I'll just mention this very quickly. Um, when we would roll the coins, it was always kind of a thrill. Once in a while, living in New England, you'd have a Canadian penny. And I don't know. For me, as a kid. I just felt very international and cosmopolitan to have like a Canadian penny. I don't think you'd see them too much down here, right? Probably probably seldom. But in any event, uh, that's not a thing anymore, and most of the things I talk about are not a thing anymore. I'm hardly a thing anymore. I'll see you back here at 4 tomorrow. Okay.